Mary Meat. Welcome to Witch Magic. I'm Dawn, and I will be taking you on a spiritual journey to all things magic and witchcrafts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Witch Magic. Today is part two of the Trick or Treat Free For All Stories for Kids. Um, so I hope you enjoy the upcoming stories as I hope you enjoyed the stories from yesterday. So, all right, here we go. The next story is called Side Quest. And it's from a series of Magic Eaters, and it's written by Connor Grayson. Who are you supposed to be? Grumblin asked, adjusting a black mask wrapped around his face. He's a goblin ninja. Really? I squeezed my head into the Santa hat. It wasn't this tight when I tried it on. I don't know. The hat doesn't give it away, not to mention the Santa Claus pajamas I'm wearing. Eyeball, you need a bigger belly. Nobody gonna know who you are. Evie scoots up beside me. Charlie, I told you I don't believe in Santa Claus, she whispers. Her breath tickles my ear. Ghost, though? Will there be ghosts here? Who are you supposed to be? She's wearing a suit and tie with an old pair of pointy glasses. The pain on her face makes it look like she's screaming. An angry librarian, she says, rolling her eyes. Duh. Ugh, this hat itches. Why is it so tight? I want treats. Lots of treats, Stump says holding up a tiny orange bag. He's like the Hulk pinching a snack-sized baggie between two fingers. Brought a special bag. Don't want to run out of room for treats. That'll hold two jelly beans if you're... It's a bottomless bag. Let me see it. Some tosses the bag, and Gerblin March snatches it out of the air. He sticks his hand in and rummages around. It eats his entire arm. When he pulls it out, he's holding a copper key. It never gets full. Always room for more. Oh, nice, Stump grins wide. Thought that key was long gone. What door does that open, Evie wonders, inspecting the key with her wizard eyes. It doesn't say. Gerblin wanders up to the white door nearby and slips the key into the lock and twists. Four times. It's a trick key. Hands on the latch. Shouldn't we knock? You know, say trick or treat? I ask, grabbing the latch along with the rest of my team. Eyeball, that's a terrible idea, Gerblin says, shaking his head. Don't want them to know we're coming, Stump, Stump says, chuckling. Ruin the surprise. Who, I ask, swiping at the back of my head. Is something crawling on me? One of the seven. He presses the door latch down and it clicks. Something grasps my hand. My stomach flips. And I'm yanked through the door. On the other side, I crash to the floor and face plant. Ouch! When I stand up, my entire team is staring at the same thing, and it's staring back. A tunnel of eyes, I say, shuddering. What is this? Like a side quest or something? Gerblin yanks me to the side, and my shoulder cracks into the wall. An arrow zips by my face. So close, the air vibrates. Thump! It slams into the white door behind us, and the door smiles as it melts into the wall. No treats, Stump sighs stuffing his tiny bag away. Trick spawn. Hello, an old gravely voice yells from the other side of the tunnel. My first tricksters. 
If you make it down here without dying, you can have a treat. So fun. I'll be watching. Every eyeball in the tunnel turns towards us and stares. Creepy, Evie says. Doesn't that sound like, like the angry librarian, I grumble. Watch where you step, Grublin says, hopping over a massive crack in one stone on the floor. Step on a crack, break your mother's back. Uh, more like fire and arrow, Grublin snaps, shaking his head. The tunnel wall's a rough brick. Every few feet is a round stone pillar wrapped in tree roots. The creepy part? The ancient roots coil around eyeballs the size of basketballs. Reaching out a finger, I wonder, Don't touch it, Evie screams, slapping my hand away. It'll probably do something bad. It looks slimy, I say, rubbing the back of my hand. That hurt. Sorry. Gerblin and Stump move ahead, sliding along the wall. I creep forward, staying low to the ground, careful to avoid the cracked stones. Evie follows. A snapping clicking sound crawls out of the dark and echoes down the tunnel. Incoming! Stump bolts to the center of the tunnel, whipping his arm like, like a shield. There's a scurry of feet on the stone floor. It reminds me of a bunch of bugs skittering around. What do we do? We don't have magic, just these dumb costumes, I say. I don't know. A massive beetle emerges from the dark, huge pincers snapping in front of its jaw. Two more scurry out behind it. Uh, be Mario? Run and jump, Gerblin says. Bonk them on the head. Maybe they'll poof. Is that an antenna around its neck? Evie asks, squinting towards the monster. <clears throat> she zooms in with her wizard eyes. They're called death beetles. The first beetle's back cracks open and wings pop out. It flies into the air and dive bombs. Stump plants his foot right behind him, ready for impact, right before the death beetle is in range. Crack! Stump's arms cracks into the side of the beetle's pincers and knocks it into the tunnel wall. Hurry, run, Gerblin yells. He's on the other side of the tunnel somewhere. I can't make him out. It must be the ninja costume he's wearing. Evie, let's go. I take off in a sprint, my Santa Claus hat streaming out behind me. Evie's sneakers pound the ground right behind me. Stump, go on, I'll catch up, Stump says, pivoting past the other two death beetles. There's a black ghost ahead of me that zips across the tunnel. It's small and fast. Gerblin, which way? This way, quick. More beetles spawning. Kicking it up a notch, I pick up speed. Glancing over my shoulder, Evie and Stump are right behind me. When I turn around, light streams from the ceiling onto a pedestal at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there, I yell. Treats up there, Stump bellows in my ear. It's glowing gold, Evie yells. Must be good. I skid to a stop next to Gerblin and the tray of treats waiting for us. Something's not right, the goblin says. Where's the boss? Stump and Evie slide up next to us. I peek past them. No beetles. Any chocolate? Stump asks. Full size? That was too easy, I say, scratching the back of my head. Where's the trick? Uh, Charlie? Evie looks like she's seen a ghost. Don't freak out, okay? She's staring at my head. Dude, not good, Stump says, staring at my head and tossing treats into the bottomless bag. Ech! There's a prick at the back of my neck. Ugh! Something's digging in my ear. I whip my hand up and a bone arm grasps my wrist. I try to yank away, but I'm locked tight. What the, I say out loud. Hold still, Gerblin says, prying a stone out of the floor. Gonna knock it out. He pulls back his arm and whips the stone right into my face. Everything goes black. 
and it's like I'm floating in space. When I land, I'm not sure where I am. There's a pop behind me, and I spin around. My team is standing outside the white door, huge grins on their faces. Good news, Evie says, bouncing on her toes. We get all the treats. I glare at them so hard, my forehead crinkles. Ha, you should have seen your face. It was all... Stumps crunches his face up like he's eating a lemon. Was funny. You killed me, I yell, scowling at the goblin. I'm not the one to let a monster crawl into my hat, Gerblin says, shrugging. The end. All right, interesting. This next story is called The Mystery of the Haunted Egyptian Kitchen. And it's written by Scott Peters. And it's from the Kid Detective Zet story. <clears throat> Today was the Day of the Dead, when the veil between worlds grew thin. All over ancient Egypt, children were checking the shadows for ghouls and talking in excited voices. Zet and Kat stood at their neighbor's front door, holding reed baskets. Move over, Kat said, and elbowed her brother. Me? You move. I'm about to fall off the step, Zet said. Zed was 12 and Kat was 11. They'd been coming to the baker's house on the Day of the Dead ever since they could remember. Zed and Kat glared at each other and knocked. No one answered. So they knocked again. Nothing. Maybe the baker's not home, Zed said, his stomach rumbling in disappointment. Penno the baker was famous all over Thebes. Once a year, he made special mummy-shaped Osiris cakes in his home kitchen. Children from all over town came knocking for his holiday treats. Penno's Osiris cakes were the most delicious confection anyone had ever eaten. Overhead, the sun god Ra sent his dying rays bleeding across a cloudless sky. And still, Penno's door stayed closed. But he's always here for the Wadi Festival, Cat cried. Zack gave the door a few good poundings. Cat cringed. Maybe he's busy? The door flew open. Their jaws dropped. Penno's wig was askew. He had flour from head to toe, and gobs of dough smeared his tunic. His face, which he always painted green to honor the mummified god Osiris for the festival, was streaked and smudged. Underneath, he looked pale with fright. Oh, children, he muttered. Hello, my apologies. You've come for the cakes, I presume? We were hoping, but maybe we should, Cap began. No, no, he turned to peer cautiously over one shoulder. Wait out here. He slammed the front door. Sending Cat shared a startled glance. How mysterious. Again, the door flew open. Penno held out two oddly misshapen cakes. Despite their curious shape, they smelled amazing. Thank you, they said. I'm sorry they're not up to my usual standards, but I've had a bit of a fright. Can we help? Cat asked. Uh, probably not. Are you sure? Zeb was always on the lookout for a mystery that needed solving. Penno swallowed hard. Come inside. When the siblings reached the kitchen, they stared in dismay. Someone had shaken flour everywhere. Eggs were smashed into the ceiling. Dates and raisins littered the floor. Furniture had been flipped upside down, and splotches of honey dribbled down the walls. What happened? Zed said. Penno trembled. I don't know. All I could tell you was that last night, up in my bed, I heard horrible, strange noises coming from down here. What kind of noises? Zed asked. 
moaning, groaning, creaks and awful shrieks. To be frank, I hid under my covers until sunrise. When I came down, this is what I found. Who would destroy your kitchen, Zen Everyone loves your cakes, Cat said. Did they leave footprints, Zen asked, studying the floor. No, in fact, the door was locked and the windows are too narrow to crawl through. I don't know how the thief got in, or out for that matter. Interesting, Zet said. What a muddle I'm in, Penno cried and sat down with a thump. I've only managed to make nine terrible cakes with the last of my supplies. The children are depending on me, Penno, the Osiris cake baker. What am I to do? Cat tiptoed across the kitchen. There's something odd about this flower over here. Zet and Penno joined her. Look, do you see that? She asked. I just see a big mess, the baker groaned. She pointed. Right there. Look at those markings. Zet stared with growing excitement. Cat had found a clue. The baker said, Hmm, it's like someone drew shapes in the flower. But why? They're more than shapes. The hieroglyphics, Cat said. Are you telling me someone magically entered my kitchen, threw flour everywhere, and wrote me a message in hieroglyphics? All three stared at one another and gulped. Zet spoke up. What does it say, Cat? Cat, who had the rare ability to read hieroglyphics, tilted her head. It appears to say, no cake. No cake? The baker gasped. Is this from Osiris? Have I offended the god of the dead? Is he ordering me to stop baking? I'm cursed! You can't stop. Everyone will be so disappointed, Cat said. Still, we need to be careful, Zet warned. A knock came at the door. Oh no, Penno hesitated, clearly torn. Then he grabbed a few tortured-looking cakes, ran to the front door, and handed them out. He barely returned with the second knock sounded. By the beard of Ta, here come the hordes. Zet and Cat, meanwhile, had been plotting. We have a plan, Zet said. Don't keep me in the dark. Go to the market for baking supplies, Cat told him. We'll hold the fort, Zet said. Do you have more f- green face paint? Are you saying you want me to paint? Are you saying you want to paint your faces like me? We do. And if you have a pair of baker's tunics, that would be even better. Fantastic, Penno cried, clapping his hands. Dressed up like the baker, Zet and Cat answered the door and gave out the remaining deformed treats to shocked visitors. Penno returned quickly and began madly baking fresh treats. As the sun sank into the underworld, Penno churned out mounds of Osiris cakes. These were perfectly mummy-shaped, and the whole house smelled delicious. Zet and Cat opened and closed the door, handing them out and joking with the kids. Too bad Hayu is out of town, Cat said. Yeah, Zet grinned, picturing his best friend's face when they told him. He'd love this. In the street, darkness reigned. Merrymakers laughed and shrieked beneath the yellow moon. One could almost imagine the spirits coming out to play. Finally, the crowds thinned, lanterns flickered out, and no more knocks rattled the door. Zet and Kat's mother, who lived only a few doors down, had come earlier to investigate. Now, she dropped off a picnic basket with their dinner to share with Penno. This is so kind, Penno said. Back inside the baker's house, all three grinned at one another with their green faces. Still wearing their matching baker's tunics, they sat down and dug in. What was it about dinner picnics that made them extra delicious? 
You saved the Day of the Dead, Penno said. Thank you. We loved being here, Cat said. The lamp flickered. I'm frightened that awful fiend will return, Penno said. We still haven't solved the mystery. Did you make sure to save one cake, Zet asked. Yes, the most perfect one. But who's it for? We'll put it in the kitchen and wait, Zet said. Are you sure this is safe? Probably, Zet said, hoping it was true. It's all very curious, the baker murmured. Together, they set the cake on a fancy plate and lit a candle next to it. They were too tired to clean up the kitchen, though, and decided to leave it until morning. Besides, what if it got even messier that night? The moon god, Nosu, poked his spooky silver rays through the narrow windows. As the air began to cool, they yawned, <sighs> for it had been a long day. Unfortunately, none could keep their eyes open. All three soon dozed off. Hot sunshine jolted Zet awake. Nearby, Cat lay on a cushion, mouth open and drooling. On another pillow, the baker snored in huge gusts. <sighs> Zet shook them awake. We fell asleep! Come on, Cat cried. Hurry to the kitchen! As Zet suspected, Penno's doors were still tightly locked. Yet the cake, well, the fancy plate, was empty. And the cake was gone. Not one crumb remained. The kitchen, meanwhile, had been cleaned to a polish. Everything done. By the beard of Osiris, the baker gasped. Would you look at that? I think the ghost liked your cake. The ghost? Yes, don't you see? No cake. The ghost wanted to try your cake, but was upset because you hadn't baked any yet, Cat said. For a moment, the baker turned white as a sheet. Then he began to chuckle. Well, imagine that. A ghost visiting me on Day of the Dead. All three began to talk and laugh at once and agreed they have to do it again next year. When Zet and Cat walked home, Zet said, That was the strangest mystery we've ever solved. You could say that again. Zet didn't reply. For as he glanced down the street, something caught his eye. He was pretty sure he'd spotted his next mystery. He set off at a run with Cat on his heels as the Egyptian sun climbed over the rooftops into a brilliant blue sky. The end. All right. <clears throat> the next story is called <clears throat> A Trickster Halloween, and it's a Prentice Twin story written by Deb Logan. Halloween in Bozeman, Montana can be brisk, to say the least. Not that Justin or Janine Prentice intended to let a little cool weather stop them for trick-or-treating. The Prentice twins had grown up in Bozeman, so cold weather just meant dressing appropriately, and this evening's forecast of 45 degrees barely even qualified as cold. Don't forget your neck gaiters, Dad called from the kitchen when he was getting the cauldron and candy ready to hand out to the neighborhood kids, who would soon descend on the front door. Janine rolled her eyes. It's bad enough wearing a winter coat under this witch costume, but a neck gaiter too? Justin shrugged his shoulders. You can always ditch it once we clear the driveway, but you know you won't get out of the house without it, he grinned, which looked really odd beneath his carefully applied zombie face paint. Besides, if you grab Dak's black one instead of your usual hot pink and purple stripe, it'll make you look all mysterious if you pull it up so only your eyes are showing. Good point, Janie said, grabbing Dad's favorite black polar fleece gator, 
What are you using? I thought I hadn't borrowed a bright red one from Kent. I figured it looked like my neck's been slashed. Ooh, good thinking. Just then, Coyote raced into the entry hall, claws clicking on the hardwood floor. How do I look, he demanded as he skidded to a stop at Justin's side. Justin beamed at his spirit animal and his bondmate. Coyote made a shaman with the magical powers worth all the dangers they sometimes faced. Justin had always considered the stories of the furry trickster his shaman grandfather's best. But But to discover last summer that Coyote, not just any coyote, but the coyote had chosen him, Justin Prentice, to be a shaman and bondmate. Well, unbelievable didn't begin to scratch the surface. You look great, Justin said, scratching behind Coyote's ears in just the right spot and admiring the dirty white bandages that wound around Coyote's body and dripped from his tail. You make an awesome mummy dog. Did Dad help you? Coyote flopped onto the floor, his tongue lolling out happily. No, Winona used her magic. The wrappings aren't real, but they'll all fool the people we see tonight. Janine laughed and sent a thought of things wigging into her spirit animal's mind. Winona, the mighty Thunderbird. Janine was the luckiest girl in the world. I'm glad you were pleased with my efforts, she who cares for Thunderbirds. Consider it my contribution to the evening's festivities. Janine nodded. Though Winona wasn't in in the house to see, the Thunderbird had grown too large to enter the residence though she often rested on the back deck, just outside the sliding patio door. Invisible, of course. It wouldn't do to start a panic in the neighborhood by having a Thunderbird, who looked a lot like a giant pterosaur, visible to anyone who walked past the house. I just wish you could come with us, Monona. I will shadow you from the sky, my shaman. You will never be alone while I live. I know, but sometimes I wish I could show you off the way Justin King Coyote. Ah... But your friends and neighbors will not see Coyote, Monona replied sensibly. They will see a pet dog dressed as a mummy. Cute, but far from the powerful trickster we know him to be. Janine sighed. You're right, of course. Justin and I are lucky that Dad and Grandpa know our secret. Indeed, your father and steadfast guide are unique among mortal men. All right, called Justin, breaking into Janine's silent communication with her Thunderbird. Let's get this show on the road. Dad came around the corner from the kitchen, carrying the large plastic cauldron of candy. He inspected their costumes, nodded his approval, and waved them out the door with a cheerful, Have fun! Two hours later, the troops returned home with tired feet, faces and fingers chilled to the bone, and bags full of candy. Beat, but happy, Justin and Janine shrugged out of costumes and coats, while Coyote released his mummy wrappings in a sparkle of magical dust. Winona, from her perch on the back deck, offered to whisk away the twins' face paint as well. But they declined, deciding to wait and wash it off later. The makeup made a cool reminder of the fun they just had. Coyote flopped onto the carpeting in the family room beside Justin while the twins upended their bags of candy and began sorting it into piles. The doorbells still rang occasionally, and they heard Dad's voice boom as he greeted late trick-or-treaters. Well, said Coyote, this has certainly been an interesting look into human psychology. Justin snorted. What's that supposed to mean? Coyote chewed on the pads of his front paw. Only that I've heard of Halloween and am aware of its ancient origins, but seeing its practice in modern day is enlightening. 
Enlightening, Janine said, looking up from her treats. Her voice puzzled. How? Humans have chosen to forget us, Coyote said, after giving his paw a final lick. They have relegated us to myth and legend, and yet, when it benefits them for the gathering of sweet treats and the opportunity to play innocent tricks, they can still find us in the depths of their minds. Coyote speaks the truth, agreed Winona. We are not as forgotten as modern society would like to believe. I suppose, said Justin, tossing a hard candy into the air and catching it into his mouth. But I could care less about the reasons we celebrate Halloween. He grinned a ghastly face-painted smile at Coyote and Janine. I just like the treats and the chance to trick my friends without getting in trouble. Janine laughed, but Coyote snorted and rolled on the floor. Tricksters for the win, he yipped happily. The end. All right, <clears throat> the next story is called Tricking the Treat Witch. And it's a zombie resurrection, no, excuse me, a zombie reconstruction squad story written by M.K. Radican. A full moon shined through the clouds, casting a spooky Halloween glow over the town of Pootville. Golden leaves rustled in the cool autumn breeze, and jack-o'-lanterns grinned their fiery grins from every front porch. Emilio, Roach, and Erg had been trick-or-treating for hours, ringing doorbells and collecting fistfuls of goodies. Now Emilio's legs were tired and his arm ached from the wake of his pumpkin-shaped pail full of treats. It's getting pretty late, he yawned. Maybe we should head home. Yeah, Erg agreed. My pumpkin is getting really heavy. His hand trembled as he lifted his loaded bucket. With a dry pop, his whole arm snapped off at the shoulder and fell to the ground, dumping candy everywhere. Erg scowled. Oh, butts. He grabbed his lost arm and used it like a broom to sweep his candy back into his bucket. Emilio and Roach didn't even flinch. This kind of thing happened all the time when you had a zombie for a best friend. Okay, that settles it, Emilio said. Erg is falling apart. It's time to call it a night. Roach gasped. Call it a night? Are you crazy? We can't call it a night. Not now. It's a Halloween. Her words rattled out of her mouth in a sugar-fueled frenzy. The one night of the year when everybody in town wants to give us free candy and you're just going to give up and go home? She shook her nearly empty pail in her jittering hands. Come on, dude. My tank is running low. We've got to keep going. Go, go, go. Candy, candy, candy. She stuffed two fun-sized chocolates and a lollipop in her mouth and bounced around Erg. Emilio shook his head at her. Roach, you'd have plenty of candy if you hadn't been eating it all night. Erg nodded as he stuck his arm back on her shoulder. Yeah, you should probably stop before you throw up. Again, Emilio added. Bah! What's the fun of trick-or-treating if you don't throw up, Roach said. There's no such thing as too much candy. Erg shrugged. I kind of like the houses that give away other stuff, like shiny pennies. Or dental floss, Emilio said. Roach just stared at them. Pennies? Dental floss? Seriously? I don't think you two understand Halloween at all, she pointed at Emilio. I mean, what is, a, what is your costume even supposed to be? Emilio stood up straight and puffed out his chest. He wore a navy blue business suit, complete with necktie and a calculator in his jacket pocket. He smiled proudly. I'm an accountant for a plumbing supply company. 
he said. Roach scowled in disgust. That is the least cool Halloween costume in the history of the world. Hey, Emilio said. My dad is an accountant for a plumbing supply company. And how cool is your dad? Roach asked. Emilio opened his mouth to argue, then frowned. Okay, you make a fair point. Roach turned to Erg. And your costume is even worse. What's your deal, bro? Erg looked confused. Can't you tell? I'm a bunny. His greenish-blue face peered out of a pink pajama onesie with long ears on the hood and a puffy tail on the butt. Despite being all wrapped up in fuzzy flannel, the stink of his decaying body still carried on the cool evening breeze. Obviously, you're a bunny, wrote Sam, rolling her eyes. But why? Dude, you're an actual zombie. That's so much scarier than a dumb bunny. Erg laughed. <laughs> Zombies aren't scary. My mom is a zombie. Bunnies are way scarier. Emilio scratched his chin. I'm going to have to go with Roach on this one. Bunnies aren't scary. At all. He turned to Roach and pointed at her outfit. And since we're being judgy, I don't understand what your costume is either. Roach looked down at her ragged black belly tutu with bright yellow tiger stripes. Her wild red hair was gelled up into a giant mohawk that ran down the center of her head. On her hands were fingerless leather gloves with metal studs on the knuckles. I'm Violenta, the ballerina of doom, Roach said. Duh. Emilio frowned. I have no idea what that is. Oh, come on, Roach groaned. She's only the greatest professional wrestler of all time. You don't look like a wrestler to me, Erg said. No. Roach dropped her candy bucket and flexed her skinny arms into muscles. Now do you see it? She snarled and waggled her tongue, drooling all over herself. How about now? What do you think? Emilio smirked. I think it's time to go home. Okay, fine, whatever, Roach said, grabbing her peel. We can go home after one more house. Deal? No deal, Erg said. I'm so tired I could awesome sauce, Roach cheered. Let's go to that one. Before Emilio and Erg could stop her, Roach ran off toward another house. It was decorated for Halloween from the start of the driveway all the way up to the peak of the roof. Fake gravestones filled the yard, haunted by glow-in-the-dark plastic skeletons. Giant cobwebs stretched across the house, filled with huge rubber spiders. Pumpkins with terrifying monster faces gazed out of every window. By the time the boys caught up to Roach on the front porch, she had already pushed the doorbell. It rang through the house like spooky old church bells. It sounded so creepy, Emilio gulped nervously as the door creaked open. Roach held up her bucket and shouted, Trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something made of meat. Erg scratched his head. I don't think that's how it goes. Quiet, Roach hissed. Maybe they got some buffalo wings in there. A woman stepped out of the darkness inside the house with an eerie cackle. <laughs> she wore a black and purple dress and a pointy witch hat. Her skin was brown, but her nose was bright green. It was long and crooked with a big wart and an elastic string holding it onto her face. Happy Halloween, boys and girls, she shouted. Happy Halloween, pickle nose, Erg replied. The woman touched her rubber snout. I'm not pickle nose, I'm the treat witch. I don't care if you're the queen of the moon, as long as you've got the goods, Roach said. She stuck out her bucket. Fork it over, spooky mama. The witch laughed. 
You kids have come to the right place. Everyone on this street is giving away very special treats. She picked up a stout pot and hugged it in one arm, tapping a finger on its metal lid. You'll love what's in my witch's cauldron, if you can earn it. Earn it, Emilio eyed the pot suspiciously. What do we have to do? It's simple, the witch said. All you have to do is give me a good Halloween scare. Roach snorted. Is that all? We can do that. Can you? I don't know, the witch said. I don't scare easily. Emilio grinned and straightened his tie. Oh, you want to be scared? Brace yourself. He waggled his fingers and spoke in a low voice. On a dark, spooky night, a plumber had to buy some copper pipe. He pulled out his calculator and punched at the buttons. But when he tried to pay, he was horrified to learn that the sales tax wasn't included. He tipped back his head and laughed a maniacal laugh. <laughs> Everyone just stared at him. He blinked. Wait, you're not scared? Not even a little bit, the witch shook her head. I'm sorry. What are you supposed to be? I'm an accountant from a plumbing supply company, Emilio said impatiently. Wow, kid, you are really bad at Halloween, the witch said. Right, Roach agreed. The witch turned to Erg. How about you? Do you think you could scare me? Can I ever, Erg said. Check this out. He crouched down and held his hands to his chest like bunny paws, then wiggled his nose and hopped up and down. Here comes Mr. Bunny. He's so snuggly and soft. He loves to eat carrots. Hop, hop, hop. The witch squinted at him, bouncing around her porch. I don't even know what's happening here. Roach pinched her eyes and groaned. Sorry, he's not super clear on what scary means. She cracked her knuckles. Step aside, boys. I got this. The treat witch shifted her cauldron on her hip. And what are you supposed to be? A roar thundered from Roach's mouth as she flexed her muscles. Beware the grateful rage of Violenta the Ballerina of Doom. She threw her arms out to her sides and shouted, Pirouette of Pain. She rolled around in a circle and flung out her leg, kicking Emilio's calculator out of his hands and into the yard. Hey, Emilio squeaked. That's rude. Totally rude, the witch agreed. And pretty funny, but not scary. She yawned and patted the lid of her pot. I guess you kids don't even want these special treats. Yes, we do, Roach cried. She turned to Erg with desperation in her eyes. Okay, buddy, I'm going to need your help on this one. Sure, Erg said. What do you need me to? Before he could finish his thought, Roach shouted. And now my finishing move, the dozy do of destruction. Erg yelped as Roach danced toward him and threw her arm around his face, catching him in a headlock. Ah, quit it, Erg rumbled. Violenta never quits, Roach bellowed. She jerked her arms and popped Erg's head right off his shoulders. His zombie bottled body tumbled back and almost fell off the porch. Both of his hands patted the stump of his neck in confusion. The treat witch gasped and her eyes went wide. Roach held up Erg's head by the hair and laughed like a maniac. <laughs> Another trophy for my collection. Ha 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 Emilio turned to the witch apologetically. I'm sorry. She's had way too much sugar tonight. The woman just stood in the doorway, staring at Roach with an expression of pure terror. Oh my gosh, his head! The witch shrieked. She pulled out that boy's head! With a blood-curdling scream, <coughs> she dropped her cauldron and slammed the door. <coughs> Emilio could hear her feet pounding the floor as she ran deep into her house, crying all the way. 
He gestured to the closed door and turned to Roach with a scowl. You almost gave that lady a heart attack, he cried. I hope you're happy. What? Roach said innocently. She's the one who wanted us to scare her. That's true, said Erg's head, still hanging from Roach's fist. She did ask for it. Emilio thought about it and nodded. You're a lunatic, but I guess you did earn your special treat fair and square. He picked up the dropped cauldron. Roach slammed Erg's back, head back on the stump of his neck, upside down. Ugh, hair on my throat, Erg coughed. <laughs> but Roach wasn't paying any attention to him. She jumped around Emilio, rubbing her hands together eagerly. Oh boy, oh boy, she chattered. I hope it's a chocolate bars, full-size chocolate bars, the kind filled with caramel and marshmallow and gravy. There's no such thing as a gravy-filled chocolate bar, Emilio said. You don't know that, Roach argued. This is a very special treat. Anything is possible. She grabbed the lid and whipped it off, revealing a pot full of little red boxes. <clears throat> her eyes went wide and her jaw dropped as she recoiled in horror. It's raisins? Erg smiled as he pulled off his head and turned it right side up. Whoa, cool, he said. I love raisins. Me too, Emilio cheered. Raisins are like the best Halloween treat. Roach tugged at her sticky mohawk and groaned. Ugh, what is wrong with you two? She banged on the front door and shouted. This isn't a very special treat. False advertising. I want my money back. Erg popped open a box of raisins and dumped it into his mouth. Mmm, raisiny goodness, he said. So delicious, Emilio agreed. He devoured a whole box, eating the raisins one by one. Suddenly, he gasped. Wait, that lady said everyone in the street has very special treats. I bet they're all giving away dried fruit. Ooh, Erg said. What if someone has apricot? That would be awesome, Emilio exclaimed. No one wouldn't, Roach snapped. You two are crazy. Emilio grinned as he grabbed her arm. Dude, you were right. We can't stop trick-or-treating now. We have to go to every house. I'm going to get a whole bucket of fruit loot, Erg cheered. Roach looked at her friends. She looked at the other houses. She looked at the pot of raisins. She sighed. You know what? It's getting late. I think I'm going to call it a night. The end. And those are the stories from Trick or Treat for All, a Halloween, a Halloween kids book. So I really hope that you enjoyed those stories. Um, my voice is getting a little hoarse now because I've been reading for a long time. And um, yeah, so I hope this has been fun for you. A nice little Halloween treat. Um, I will probably be back in a couple of weeks with another episode for you. So be sure to tune in for that. And um, as always, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate um, you coming in, listening to this podcast. And um, be sure to come join us on the Facebook group and check out my website. And I do have stuff on Patreon and Coffee as well. And I am also on Twitter and uh, Instagram. So go ahead and check those out. I will have all the links on the show notes. So, all right, that's it for the day. And like always, be magical. So that's going to do it for today. I will be airing these podcasts about once a week, so be sure to tune in. You might want to choose to get notified when I air so that you don't miss a thing. If you have any comments, 
please feel free to connect with me on my Facebook group. I will leave the link to that along with my website on the show notes. Blessed be.